It's the Victorian Variety Show. It may be asserted without hesitation that no event is so terribly well adapted to inspire the supremeness of bodily and of mental distress as is burial before death. The unendurable oppression of the lungs, the stifling fumes from the damp earth, the clinging to the death garments, the rigid embrace of the narrow house, the blackness of the absolute night, the silence like a sea that overwhelms, the unseen but palpable presence of the conqueror worm, these things with the thoughts of the air and grass above, with memory of dear friends who would fly to save us if but informed of our fate, and with consciousness that of this fate they can never be informed, that our hopeless portion is that of the really dead. These considerations, I say, carry into the heart, which still palpitates, a degree of appalling and intolerable horror from which the most daring imagination must recoil. We know of nothing so agonizing upon earth. We can dream of nothing half so hideous in the realms of the neithermost hell. This is the Victorian Variety Show. My name is Marissa. And what you just listened to was an excerpt from a story by Edgar Allan Poe called The Premature Burial, which was first published in 1844. I chose this story partly because I'm putting this episode out the day before Halloween. And I think Poe is an author that many of us like to read around this time of year because he captured the atmosphere of Halloween so well. But also because... In this passage, Poe vividly describes the genuine fear many people felt during the Victorian era of being buried alive, which was based largely on several centuries worth of news reports and the folklore that it inspired that described people being buried alive, beginning in the 14th century with theologian John Duns Scotus who was reported to have been found lying outside his coffin when his vault was opened. I think there were cases of it happening before Scotus, but his was definitely a very prominent case. In this episode, I'm going to explore why this fear was so common during the Victorian era. And I'm also going to describe some of the ways in which inventors and manufacturers tried to prevent it from happening. The fear of being buried alive is known as taphophobia, and the term for burying people alive is vivisepulture. It's probably safe to assume that, for many of us, the fear of being buried alive, or the likelihood that, after a long sleep, you will wake up to find yourself within the confines of a velvet-lined rectangular box covered in six feet of dirt, is uncommon, if not existent. And we largely have modern science and medicine to thank for this. 
doctors are able to determine when ailing patients pass from this world to the next by monitoring their heart rate and other vital signs through the use of machines. And conditions such as rigor mortis, which occurs in the first few hours after death when joints and muscles stiffen, and liver mortis, which occurs when the blood begins to settle in the lower regions of the body approximately one half hour after death, are two reliable indications that a person is indeed dead by the time they're placed in the ground several days later. However, this machinery and these methods that seem so familiar to us now, especially if we watch a lot of hospital or crime dramas, didn't exist during the Victorian era when many doctors had to resort to methods such as tobacco smoke enemas, manipulating the tongues of non-responsive individuals, or holding those individuals' fingers or toes over candle flames to declare them dead. In some cases, an invisible ink was created with a substance such as lead acetate. Someone would write something along the lines of, I am really dead with the ink on a slip of paper, and place the slip of paper under the corpse's nose. It was believed that the ink would be activated when putrefaction occurred, as that would release sulfur dioxide, which would cause the letters to appear. However, tooth decay and tonsillitis were two conditions that could also cause sulfur dioxide to be released, so this wasn't exactly a foolproof method. You may be wondering what might cause an individual to appear dead in such a convincing way. Catalepsy, which afflicted the narrator of the Poe story that I read an excerpt from at the beginning of this episode, is an actual condition in which a seizure or trance results in a loss of feeling and consciousness combined with rigidity of the muscles. Also, Rose Heichelbach points out in an article called Victorian's Phobia of Premature Burial Reached Hysterical Heights, a number of common medical treatments during the Victorian era actually induced a narcotic or sedative effect in patients. I think an understanding of these conditions seems to emphasize the need for people to know whether their loved one was indeed dead before burying them. It is probably not necessary to go into too much detail as to why premature burial was seen as such a terrible way to die, particularly if you tend to be a bit claustrophobic, as I am. But it's definitely worth mentioning that grave robbing was common during the Victorian era. In what it was really like being a grave robber, Gina Scanlon explains that robbers were drawn to graves, not only because wealthy decedents, in particular, were often laid to rest with expensive jewelry and heirlooms, but also because the bodies themselves frequently proved lucrative to robbers who sold them to medical schools. So, those who suffered from taphophobia, very likely, and I would say rightfully, feared that they'd wake up while being cut into by a medical school student as much as they did suffocating inside a coffin. Needless to say, these fears were common enough to attract the attention of inventors and manufacturers, and so-called safety coffins became a reality, particularly in the second half of the 19th century. These coffins were designed in such a way that an individual who was mistakenly declared dead 
would in some way be able to notify the living that they were, in fact, still among the living, which ideally would then enable the interred individual's rescue. Although an article on Bizarrepedia.com called Victorian-era fear of being buried alive and post-mortem photography notes that one model, the so-called escape vault, featured hatch-like doors that could be opened from the inside by individuals who might have had a more proactive escape plan. Another popular model of safety coffin, first designed by Dr. Johann Gottfried Taberger in 1829, featured bells that were placed above ground, but were connected to strings, which were then attached to an interred body's hands, feet, and head. Upon hearing a bell ring, a cemetery watchman was tasked with inserting a tube into the coffin and pumping air into it through the use of a bellows until the person could be rescued. However, as a writer named Alexa explains, in being buried alive was so common in the Victorian era that doctors used these 10 methods to prevent it. The bells could be activated by a corpse's bloating due to natural decay. In the horror of premature burial, Bess Lovejoy describes another type of safety coffin, patented by Count Carnice Carnicki, in which a spring-loaded ball was placed on a person's chest when they were buried. When the chest moved, the ball's spring would be released, which would, in turn, allow light and air to enter into the coffin through a tube that had been extended from the ground level. Other types of safety coffins were patented. You probably get the idea. However, as Ella Morton notes in Scratch Marks on Her Coffin, Tales of Premature Burial, quote, there are no reported cases of the left for dead being saved by such contraptions, end quote. As a result, it's not surprising that people who lived during Victorian times sought safeguards against premature burial in addition to safety coffins, and what were known as waiting mortuaries were established to meet this need. In these quote-unquote hospitals for the dead, as Morton refers to them, the recently deceased were laid out and monitored around the clock for signs of life prior to decomposition. Flowers were commonly placed around the beds to conceal the smell and in addition to antiseptics that were used to prevent possible infections, Bizarrepedia states that food and drink were commonly available in case any so-called corpses who might come back to life were craving a snack. Some mortuaries were equipped with windows that allowed passersby to look inside, which makes sense when you consider that the French verb morguer is commonly translated into to stare at or to gaze solemnly at, and waiting mortuaries were particularly popular in France as well as in Germany. Other mortuaries opened their doors to members of the public for a fee, as was the case with safety coffins in an article called Premature Burial and Helpful Hints on Not to Get Buried Alive. A writer named Lenora notes that it's not known whether anyone ever came back to life in a waiting mortuary and therefore got to partake in any of the food or beverages that were available for just that purpose. However, 
it's easy to draw some parallels between waiting mortuaries and modern day funeral homes. This brief overview of taphophobia and precautions that were taken to prevent it may make it seem as though people who lived during the Victorian period were obsessed with death, which I discussed in my episode on Victorian views on death and mourning rituals a few episodes back. But I think it's simplistic for us to leave it at that, and ignorant for us to marvel at how far we may have come since then. If anything, I think this preoccupation with premature burial suggests that the Victorians may not have feared death itself as much as they did the manner in which it occurred, which I believe may have been part of something broader, namely a desire to die well, so to speak. This type of desire might inspire one to plan for the inevitable in more positive ways, such as by making arrangement for one's own services so that there's no doubt among their loved ones as to what they would have wanted, as well as taking steps to make sure those loved ones will be looked after in the future. It was common for Victorian era individuals to make such plans prior to their deaths, as opposed to the present day, when too many of us tend to postpone the subject or try to avoid it altogether. But also, I think Victorian era taphophobia indicates that during the Victorian era, people were intrigued by the relationship between life and death. Nowadays, you face the risk of being called morbid or strange if you try to discuss this topic with most of your peers. I speak from personal experience here. But asking these types of questions regularly can actually help one appreciate life more during, let's face it, this rather short period of time that we are able to experience it. I don't wish to minimize the fear of being buried alive. I do believe many people during the Victorian era were genuinely terrified at the thought of it. But I do think examining it can help us better understand the viewpoints of people from that era and remind us of the importance of questioning our own beliefs and current death practices as well. I would really like to know what you think. Please email me at thevictorianvarietyshow at gmail.com or send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash marissa hyphen d96 slash message. There's also a link in the show notes that you can just click on. You can also follow me on Twitter at at victorianvariety1 where I post updates about the show but also photos and links that I come across during my research. And if you would like to support the show financially, you can buy me a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash marissadf13. I would also really appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, as it'll help a lot more people find out about this show. And finally, I will include links to all the sources that I used in preparing for this episode in the show notes, and I recommend that you check them out because they're very interesting. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you found this topic interesting. I think it's one that shows how real life can often be stranger than fiction, 
despite the fact that some great literature has been written on this subject. I'll be back in two weeks to talk about another fascinating aspect of life during the Victorian era. And in the meantime, I'm going to leave you with a quote by Polish composer and pianist Frédéric Chopin, who passed in October 1849 at the age of 39. The earth is suffocating. Swear to make them cut me open so that I won't be buried alive. <laughs>